Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a daily habit of thanking Jesus, your Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit for all the tremendous blessings in your life? There are few things that move the heart of our Heavenly Father like a thankful heart. Let's open to John chapter 6 and see what the Bible has for us as we learn the true meaning and power of giving thanks. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, another teaching. Today we're going to discuss uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and it's going to be verses 5 through 14. And it's a very famous story of Jesus feeding the, the 5,000. It's very interesting that of all the miracles Jesus ever did or that are ever recorded in the scriptures, this is the only one that's in all four Gospels. So clearly it's, uh, it's important. It's something the Lord would have us to study and learn from and apply to our lives. We always make the point as to, you know, why is this in the Bible, right? Why, when we come to any scripture, we should say, why is this in the Bible? And Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or instruct us. It's not just here to be an interesting or a cool story. We want to see what we can learn from it. And then 1 Corinthians 10 verses 6 and 11 say that these things are written down as examples to us. So we want to see what the example is for us in here. I'll tell you, a lot of these, um, most of these teachings before they come to you in podcast form, um, a lot of Bible studies have been done on them. We have, uh, I think, I don't know, it could be four or five different Bible studies I've done on this one now. And, and the blessing of that is the more we study the Word of God in just one particular passage, the interesting thing is every time I've done a Bible study on this, you just get more and more and more out of it. So by the time we get to this place where we're recording it, hopefully we have some uh, very sound insight and revelation and teaching to bring. The uh, Kingdom Discipleship leaders uh, and myself did this Bible study yesterday morning. The guys just brought some, uh, some very good and sound observations and applications. And then last night, we did this Bible study with my wife and, you know, and then the students. They're, uh, they're teenagers or young adults, and uh, we had a house full yesterday. And this was the scripture we discussed um, shout out to my man Cash. He was the, uh, he was the only young man that came yesterday. The house was full and it was all full of, of lovely ladies, young women of God that, uh, that the Lord is using and molding, but only one young man. And I, and I told him yesterday, this is, this is getting to be a noticeable problem in, in, in the church today. And that is that, uh, it, it's very apparent that Far more women are running after Jesus than than men, and uh, this should not be right. Uh, of course, the women ought to be running after Jesus in every manner and in every way. 
But as men, we're supposed to be the, the pace setters, so to speak. We're supposed to set the example. We're supposed to be the ones that, that are the leaders. But that's not the case right now in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, we're in a place where, uh, you know, there are clearly just uh, more women, more ladies that are pursuing Jesus right now in our time uh, than there are men. And so, uh, you know, it's something we, you know, we want to do more and more and more and more is be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And as men, um, we ought to be at the forefront of that. Um, our lives ought to be an example of the zeal of Jesus, of the passion of Jesus and for Jesus. Our lives ought to be a living example that our concern in our life is about the word of God and the son of God. And, and obviously, uh, the Lord would have the ladies doing that as well. Um, but as men, I think we have, uh, we have fallen back. We've given up ground. And I'm, I'm simply and plainly saying we need to repent. Um, all of us do, right? We, we all need to be really giving our lives to Christ in greater manner than we are. So, again, my man Cash yesterday, and uh, he came and he was... Uh, Again, he was the only man, young man, and, and he had an observation that I had not had yet. And uh, I mean, he really is outstanding. We're going to get to it later. Now, Cash would not have been the only man there, but uh, some of the ladies that came, uh, Miss Peyton and uh, Chloe, and uh, there was another lady there. I'm sorry, lady, I forgot your name, and uh, I asked you to pray at the end. She had a DBU sweatshirt. I don't know why I keep forgetting. I know Miss Allie was there and uh, yesterday, uh, I think for the first time. There was a couple of Alleys, but uh, one there for the first time. But they, uh, there was going to be a few friends that they were bringing, but uh, they decided they needed to go skateboarding instead. So they had, they had missed an incredible time of Bible study. Hopefully they had a good time skateboarding. And, uh, and they can now... Um, listen to this podcast and uh, they can get caught up here on what they missed and uh, we look forward to seeing them next time. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. It's going to be John 6 verses 5 to 14 and we'll, we'll get right into it. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. 
and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the word of God. Lord Jesus, we know that you are the living word of God. Lord, we know that this gospel begins with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and, and you are God, Jesus, and we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us now as we open the word of God. We ask you to, to lead us and guide us. We ask you to, to bless this time. Father, I ask you to give me eyes that see the scripture and ears that hear and uh, help me to teach your word, Father, as it ought to be done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I was saying to the Bible, every Bible study, I think I've said this. It says Jesus asked this only to test him. And man, I don't, I don't enjoy being tested. Being tested isn't fun. I find that oftentimes, if not most of the time, I, I don't pass the test. And we're going to find here that Philip and Andrew, they don't pass the test. They fail the test. Um, but that's okay. Because as, as long as we do what Jesus tells us to do, we're going to find that the blessing is going to come. Even when we don't pass the test, even when we don't have the test here is going to be a test of faith, which they're going to fail, but they are going to pass the test of obedience. They're going to obey Jesus and do the simple things he tells them to do. And we're going to find very interestingly here that the blessing of Jesus comes not from faith, but from their obedience. And you're going to find that they had no faith when the story begins, but you're going to find that the faith comes after their obedience. And we're going to find that if they don't obey Jesus, they never would have came to faith. You're going to find that if they don't obey Jesus, this miracle never would have happened. So sometimes the blessing of God comes in our lives from our faith. But there are other times when we don't have any faith but we just obey the word of God and the faith and the blessing come from our obedience. Sometimes our obedience, if not oftentimes or most of the time, if not all of the time, our faith grows out of our obedience. Um, but there are many times where we'll have no faith because things don't make sense, as we're going to see here. But we just do what Jesus tells us to do. But it says he's testing Philip and, and the Lord tests each one of us. He is consistently testing us. This has nothing to do with our salvation. Um, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Your sins are forgiven. If you are at this moment actively trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So this has nothing to do with our salvation. In the process of us growing to be more like Jesus in this life, which is the process called sanctification, Jesus will test us. And it says here he's testing Philip, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus already knows, you know, what he wants in our life. He knows the call of God on our life, and he knows the best way to facilitate that. And oftentimes that comes with testing. And as I said, I... Uh, 
I need some help in these tests. Uh, like Philip and Andrew, I don't, I don't do very well when I'm tested. Um, and Lord, I ask you to help us when you test us. I ask you to, I ask you to just, Lord, help us to, when you test us, to really look on you, Lord. Help us to look on you. Forgive us, Lord, when you test us and we only look to the world, when we only look to the natural or physical. Help us to look on Jesus, Father. Uh, help us, Holy Spirit, and lead us to look to Jesus who passed every test for us and who will help us with every test in our life, with every difficulty in our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's only in Jesus that we can pass any test, any difficulty, any struggle. So in any way you're being tested right now, just run to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, help me. And we're going to see that was the error that, uh, that Philip and Andrew make, is they, they don't go to Jesus. Um, they only look to the natural. So Jesus says to Philip, because he wants to see what's in his heart, where, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he wants Philip to see as well. Obviously, Jesus knows everything. He knows what's in your heart and he knows what's in my heart. Um, but he wants us to see it. Oftentimes, we're not able to see the lack of faith we truly have with, without being tested. Verse 7, and, and, and look at Philip's answer here. It is, it is quite interesting. It's almost humorous. Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat, Philip? The Bible says that there were 5,000 men here. It's in verse 10. It says there was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Now, uh, biblical scholars tell us that in Jesus' day, in these type of writings, that women and children would not have been included in the number. They only counted the men. And so there would have certainly been women and children there as well. And biblical scholars estimate that there were probably around 20,000 people here. Think about that. 20,000 people. And Jesus says, Philip, where are we going to get food for these people to eat? Where are we going to buy it? Now, Philip makes the same mistake that I make. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, as he looks only to the natural. He looks only to the physical. And certainly we do this as well. And so... Philip, finding it apparently an odd question, apparently believes Jesus is confused. Because it says in verse 7, Philip answered him, um, Jesus, maybe you don't notice, but let me help you out. Eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to even have a bite. Okay. Now, clearly this Philip's answer did not enlighten Jesus, did it? Right? This is not helpful to Jesus, right? Um, Jesus was certainly aware that, uh, that there wasn't enough. You really couldn't buy food for 20,000 people. Um, but, you know, Philip is, is basically saying, you know, Jesus, I, you know, I know you, you've been working hard. You've been out in the sun a long time and you, you really haven't had the best accommodations. But let, let me help you out with your question. Uh, eight months wages, okay, would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, 
And can you just imagine Jesus looking at Philip because Jesus already knows this, right? But, you know, uh, you know, you can picture saying Jesus saying, you know, Philip, I, I appreciate that, bro. But, uh, yeah, Jesus already knows this, right? And, you know, wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, I, there are times in my life where, where, where I'm not, I'm confused about what Jesus is doing. And I will talk to him out of frustration, or I will talk to him even sometimes with sarcasm, forgive me, Lord. Meaning I, I have a, I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking to him every day. And when things are, are just not as, as I would like, or they're not making sense, or they're not falling into place, I'm, you know, I, I could say, you know, Lord, one could wonder, you know. And again, Philip's answer is not enlightening to Jesus, right? Jesus knows what Philip is saying. He knows everything. So, and then in verse 8, it says, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So he is well. Right? Andrew says, hey, here's a boy who's got five loaves of bread and two fish, but that can't help us. The problem with both of, of these men is that they're looking only to the natural. They're tested and they fail the test. They clearly have no faith at all to feed these people. And, and I wouldn't either, I confess. I'm looking at 20,000 hungry people. Okay, it's probably a fairly disorderly scene, a chaotic scene. We know that because in the other Gospels, uh, Jesus will tell them to sit down and he'll tell them to seat the people in groups of 50. Right. So if, if you uh, if you do the math on that, 20,000 people in groups, separate groups of 50 is 400 groups of 50 people. Um, so there's this massive scene. Have you ever tried to feed 20,000 people? Have you ever fed 20 people, right? Feeding 20 people is an ordeal, right? A lot goes into that. It's expensive. Um, uh, you're trying to think what everybody wants. There's just a lot that goes into feeding 20 people, let alone 200 people, let alone 2000 people. This is 20,000 people. And Jesus says, hey, Philip, where are we going to buy bread? What should have Philip said? And Andrew, Philip should have said, he should have said what Peter said. Lord, you know all things. Uh, we can't do anything but you, Jesus. The good news is, Lord, you're here. And since you're here, Jesus, you can feed these people no problem. No idea how you're going to do it. But we have you, Jesus. Does that make sense? You have Jesus. So when the test comes, we don't want to look to the natural. We consistently look only at the natural physical circumstance or the natural physical problem. But you have Jesus. If you have Jesus living in you today, uh, Jesus said with me, all things are possible. Philip should have said, Jesus, with you, all things are possible. Andrew should have said, Lord, we got five loaves and two fish. I mean, you could, you could turn that into enough to feed all these people. We want to take our eyes off the natural and physical 
and put them on Jesus. The more you focus on Jesus, the more your faith will grow. Because their focus is not on Jesus here, their focus is on the problem, their focus is on the difficulty, they have no faith at all. If they had put their faith on Jesus, then they would have been able to tell him, Lord, we, well, we can't do anything, but you're here. And since you're here, Lord, I have no doubt that these people are going to be fed by Jesus. And, you know, Jesus wants to feed you and I today. He does. Jesus wants to feed us today. Let's look at that. Father, we just thank you and we praise you. We ask you to help us, as the Hebrew writer said, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord Jesus, help us to turn our eyes to you uh, throughout our days, in all of our circumstances, particularly in problems and difficulties, Lord, where we have lack. Help us to focus on Jesus, Father. Thank you, Lord. Uh, these men have a massive lack, right? They need food for 20,000 people. They have five loaves and two fish. And, and how often do we take our eyes off Jesus and focus on the lack of what we don't have? Huh. Well, let's look into that. Jesus is just, I've said this before, he is just, he's so, he's so cool. Uh, you know, I would have, I probably... If Philip said that to me and I was Jesus, I would have responded in sarcasm, but I'm not Jesus. I would have said something like, you know, Philip, thank you. That was helpful. You telling me that eight months wages wouldn't feed each one a bite. Philip, I, I knew that. That's not what I was looking for. But Jesus doesn't pay any attention to it, right? Clearly, these men have not the faith for this. But look what Jesus says in verse 10, and we're going to get to the, the we're going to get into the deep water now. Jesus just so cool, so calm. He looks at he looks at Peter, verse 10, Jesus said, I'm sorry, he looks at Philip. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Philip, just just go ahead and, and have the people sit down. Again, in the other gospels it says in groups of 50. Have the people sit down. Why does he say that? As I said earlier, undoubtedly, it's a probably, it's a quite disorderly and chaotic scene. There are 20,000 hungry people up meandering around, walking around, not what's going on. The lesson we find here is that Jesus will not bless disorder or chaos. Okay? For Jesus to bring the blessing, there's going to have to be order brought to the situation and you're going to see it's his disciples that are charged to bring order to disorder everywhere jesus goes he brings order to disorder and if you're a disciple of jesus christ today that's your job as well your job and my job are to bring order biblical order biblical truth to disorder wherever you go and with whomever you're with whomever you're talking to you will see disorder everywhere. In every aspect of your life in this world, you'll see disorder. And your job as the disciple is to bring order to the situation. Jesus said, Philip, go ahead and have the people sit down. Again, in the other gospel groups of 50. 
There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. How long did that take? How long did it take for these guys to separate out 20,000 people into groups of 50 and to get them all seated and calm before Jesus? Now, what's interesting is all Jesus says is these five words. Have the people sit down. I would have probably came to Jesus and said, you know, Lord, um, uh, that's fine. We, we can have the people sit down, but maybe you don't know this. But just because I have them sit down, we're still not going to have anything to feed them. And um, this is going to take this going to take some time. This could take a few hours for us to to separate out this sea of people and to get them all seated. People often aren't cooperative. People often are argumentative. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you're one of the disciples? You're walking up to a group of people. You're trying to basically count out 50. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 50. All right, I need you all to move over here. We need you to sit down. You'll have people asking questions. Why? What's going on? I got to say, I don't know. All I know is that Jesus told us to have you all sit down in groups of 50. So can you do me a favor and sit down? People just, just consistently asking questions. It's not always easy to bring order to disorder, right? And so imagine they get it all done now. 20,000 people parsed out. You got 400 groups. You're looking out over a mass of people, right? There's a whole sea of people. And I walk back to Jesus and say, all right, Lord, it's, it's all done. They're all seated now. And you got to know that these people are expectant. And so I, I would have been concerned going through this whole process. Man, I'm getting all these people seated and... and Jesus doesn't tell them what he's going to do beforehand. There'll be so many times in our life where we need to obey the word of God. We need to obey Jesus when it doesn't make sense. But if we will obey him, we will see a blessing on the backside of that obedience. And here's the key. This doesn't take any faith. Remember, these guys have no faith that these people can be fed. No faith at all. But what they did have was obedience. Jesus gave them simple instructions. Have the people sit down, separate them out into groups. And then he waits. When Jesus spoke that, he spoke the word of God, right? When he, when he said these words, have the people sit down, that was a command of God. Jesus is God. That's the word of God. Again. The reason they need to sit is Jesus is not going to bless chaos. He's not going to bless disorder. Uh, the enemy is the one that wants to bring chaos and a lack of peace and disorder and everything. So Jesus will not do any miracle, any blessing in our lives when we're in a place of chaos and disorder. In order for these people to be blessed, in order for these people to be fed, they're going to have to be seated at the feet of Jesus. And if you want to be blessed today, if you want to be fed, well, you and I need to posture ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Is there any place better in the world than being at the feet of Jesus? Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's the place of blessing. That's where we can receive from him. Father, I ask you to help us, Lord.
Help us that we would have a lifestyle of devotion where we would consistently give ourselves to being at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So they're all seated now. Everything's parsed out. Everything is done. The disciples still haven't been told anything. But then Jesus, you know, Jesus turns to them and we're not told what he says, but clearly he says something like, wasn't there a, Andrew, you said something about a boy who had five loaves and two fish. Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. This is, uh, this is an overwhelming principle that as believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, this may be the greatest principle for us to learn. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Does it really say that? Huh. Does it really say that Jesus didn't ask for anything? Does it really say that Jesus took those five loaves and two fish and gave thanks to his heavenly father for the five loaves and the two fish? Does it really say that Jesus was thankful for what he did have? Was he really thankful for the five loaves and the two fish? Because I suspect if I was there, I would have been praying in a somewhat passionate way about everything that I didn't have. I would have been saying, Father, I, don't, I got 20,000 people here to feed. We don't have any bread. Can you help us with some bread? I need some help, Father. I don't have this. I don't have this. Can you give me this? I don't have this. Jesus doesn't ask for anything. But what he does do is say, haven't, haven't we been blessed? Didn't a boy bring five loaves and two fish? Let me have those. And what we find is that when Jesus gives thanks for what he does have, as opposed to complaining about all that he doesn't have, then he has not only enough for everyone to eat all they want, but they pick up 12 basketfuls. The other gospel tells us. Verse 12. Look at that again. If you will begin today to thank Jesus for what you do have, as opposed to just consistently complaining and being frustrated about all the things you don't have, you will open up the door for blessing that you and I cannot imagine. And as I told the Bible studies yesterday, you know, I don't, I don't do very well at this. Father, again, I ask you to forgive me because... I consistently, far more often, focus on those things that are not as I would like them. I far more focus on things that I don't have, the areas of my life or my ministry or my family that are, that are displeasing to me. I focus more, unfortunately, on what I don't have and what I want and what I perceive I need than what my heavenly father has already given me. If we will begin today to give thanks for all that we have been given and 
and and just have times of thanksgiving. We did a we did a 21-day challenge yesterday. I asked everyone at the Bible study last night for 21 days, just take 30 seconds or a minute a day and just do a time of thanksgiving to your heavenly Father. Just just take 30 seconds or a minute a day each day. Take longer, that'd be great. But just just thank him for all the different things in your life. Thank him for your life. Thank him for your health. Thank him for your home. Thank him for the finances that you do have. Thank him for your family. Thank him for his mercy on your life. Above all, thank him for Jesus. Thank him and and just thank him. You know, all of the all of the people there yesterday were thanking him for school and going to college and just uh and just for friendships and relationships. And they didn't ask for anything. And so we practiced that yesterday at the Bible study. And so see if you can do that. See if you can spend some time each day. I did it this morning at around 5.30 in my car on, uh, on my way to get coffee. I uh, All I did was just thank him. And I thanked him and I thanked him. I just thanked my father for for so many things. It was probably three minutes, four minutes. But I was just thanking him for all that I did have. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if we will develop this habit of consistently thanking our Father for what we do have and for what he has given us, as opposed to just always just asking for all the things we don't have, then we will open up a door of blessing that we have never seen. Wow. Jesus didn't ask for anything, but he was thankful for the five loaves and the two fish And when he was thankful for those, the floodgates of heaven opened up. Everyone ate all they wanted. They ate to the fill. And then they picked up 12 baskets full, the other gospel says. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, understand, I'm not saying we shouldn't ask for things. Of course we should pray. Of course, part of prayer is asking our Father, you know, for things that that we want and things that we need. What I'm saying is that I do that all the time, every day, often throughout the day. But this principle of just having a heart of thanksgiving and giving thanks, that's not something I do as I ought to do. And it's important to understand that we don't have to feel thankful to give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You can give thanks to your father in all circumstances. Indeed, we're commanded to do so, even when you don't feel thankful. Oftentimes, we don't feel thankful for much of what we have, if at all, but we should we should give thanks for that. And the key to this is the more you give thanks to your father, the more you will begin to feel thankful. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a lifestyle. But the more you give thanks the more thankful you truly will begin to be and feel in your relationship with God. We were laughing because I, I had told, uh, I told the group, I would fall over if, you know, I don't, you know, does any of you remember your children ever coming to you? If my daughters, Kristen and Lauren, ever came to me, I don't ever remember them doing this. I don't ever remember me doing it. Um, as an adult, I've honored my parents and said thank you. But imagine if your children came up to you, you know, however old they are, and said, you know, Mom, I uh, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for being my mother. I want to thank you for 
just how you love me. I want to thank you how you always provide for me. I want to thank you for how how you always think about me. Uh, you, you know, we wouldn't know what to do with that, right? Everybody laughed yesterday. No one could relate to that at all. No one had done anything like that, right? Imagine you just your child walked up to you. What would you want to do if they did that? It's the same with our Heavenly Father. If we'll truly be thankful for all He has given us, which is immense, all He wants to do is bless you. So what we find here is the key to the blessing is thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, let's finish up. Verse 12. When they had all had enough to eat. In the other version, ESV, I believe, says when they had had their fill. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Verse 13. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Why does he say this? Why does he say, let nothing be wasted? It says when they had, when they had all had enough to eat, when they, had, when they had had their fill. Oftentimes when, when we get what we want, when we get what we need, when we've had our fill, oftentimes I confess that I'm happy. I've eaten, I've got what I wanted, I've got my blessing, and oftentimes I'll walk off and won't think about anything else. And Father, I ask you to forgive me. When they had enough to eat, when we have our fill, Jesus says, no, no, no. There's a whole lot of leftover here on the ground. Why don't you go pick that up? Because you know what? There may be some people, If there, there are certainly some people who, who didn't get to eat. There are some people who hadn't had their fill. And so when you have had your fill, when you have had your blessing, when Jesus has blessed you, do you look to be a blessing? Do you look to see, man, there's some left over here. The Lord has blessed me with, with, uh, with a new TV. Can I, is there a place where I can bless someone with my old one? Man, the Lord has blessed me with so much. Let me gather up what's left over so maybe I can bless someone else who, who really doesn't have anything, right? Let nothing be wasted. Do you have a heart to let nothing be wasted? We have so much in our lives. The, the average person that listens to this is so blessed and has so much. But yet there are people who listen to these in, in very poor parts of the world, particularly in Africa, and they don't have very much. Jesus said, let nothing be wasted. Father, forgive us that when we've had our fill, we just walk off, wipe our mouth, and really aren't concerned about anything else or often anyone else. Forgive me, Father. Help us, Lord, to have this heart to gather what's left. Let nothing be wasted. And Lord, to have a heart to bless those who, who haven't eaten, who haven't been blessed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A quick, uh, this is an important note. Who were the ones that were blessed? It says in verse 11, he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. If you were seated before Jesus, if you did what Jesus told you to do and you sat down and you were seated before Jesus, Jesus gave you all that you wanted. 
And you know he'll do that for you today. Here Jesus is feeding them physically, but he wants to feed you not only physically but spiritually. But, but will you be seated before Jesus? Will you just calm down, have the people sit down, just sit down, and Jesus will give you all that you want of himself. He's the, the bread of life, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. He blesses those who are seated. Those who are seated receive the blessing of Jesus. And if you'll sit before Jesus today, he will fill you as well. And then when he fills you and when he blesses you, whether that's physically or spiritually, emotionally, make sure you take some of that. And in the overflow, gather that up. Don't let it be wasted and, and be a blessing to others with it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 13, so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. If you'll learn this process, if I will learn this process of thanksgiving, again, we can open a floodgate of heaven that we'll have not only what we need, we'll have an abundance left over that we might be a blessing to others. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I ask you to help us to learn this principle. Help us, Lord Jesus, to learn this principle of genuine thanksgiving. Lord, help us to obey you when it doesn't make sense. Lord, help us to bring order to disorder wherever we go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In verse 14, and this is where my man Cash came in, and, uh, and this was not an insight that I had had. It says, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. You know, Cash asked a question. He's 14 years old. And basically, what he showed me was that these people, the disciples had no faith, and clearly the crowd had no faith, right? But when the disciples obeyed Jesus, when the disciples did this extraneous process of bringing order to disorder, when the disciples obeyed Jesus, the blessing came, the miracle came, and with that, the faith came. And the faith came not only for them, but for the crowd as well. After the people saw the miraculous sign, if you're a disciple of Jesus today, there may be some things he's called you to do, Cash, right? That don't make sense. But if you'll obey him, even though you don't have the faith to do it, the faith will come. And the blessing will not only be for you as a disciple of Jesus, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. The Old Testament prophesied that a Savior would come, a Messiah would come, and he would be a prophet, and he would save their people from their sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That is an immense observation. If we will obey the word of God and do what Jesus tells us to do, when we don't have faith, not only will the faith come for us, but also that will be a blessing that will lead others into faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And that happens because they saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did. 
that's a uh, that's an overwhelming observation and uh, a good job by my boy Cash. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and your grace and your wonder and your provision. We just thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for, we just thank you for every blessing and every mercy in our lives. Father, we thank you for helping us to give thanks in all, search, in all circumstances. For we know that this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. We know that's what your word tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Son of God who loved us and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us. And we thank you that Jesus is alive and risen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our King, our God, our Husband. We thank you for being our all in all, our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our comforter and our guide. We thank you for living in us. We thank you for convicting us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for pointing us to Jesus. Thank you, Father, for helping us to learn the secret of thanksgiving and the habit of thanksgiving. We thank you, Father. Thank you for helping us to sit at the feet of Jesus. Thank you for helping us to obey your word even when it doesn't make sense. And we thank you for loving us, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.